0: Hi, this is Betsy, and today's Tent Her Wild episode, we are talking about sister wounds. What is a sister wound? Well, it happens to all women living in a patriarchal society where we have been pitted against each other and have had to use unhealthy coping mechanisms like jealousy, competition, judgment, and yep, gossip to survive. We've all been wounded by a sister and we've all inflicted a wound on a sister. So today we want to get real about this tough topic and maybe talk about ways we can begin to heal this. So the topic for this podcast, actually, I have been taking a really amazing uh, goddess course with this amazing teacher and she talked about the sister wound. And I'd never heard that phrase before. I was like, oh, the sister wound. So literally last night I texted Kate and I said, hey, what do you think about doing a podcast on a sister
1: wound? And her response was, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, it's absolutely a a new way of kind of looking at the behavior. We've talked about the behavior, but it frames it in a way, you know, in reading about it, that really made so much sense. Totally. Um, and it is a hard topic, right? Because, uh, we think we're supporting one another and we want to believe that about ourselves, but the reality is we're not always. And the more divided we are as women, the less power we have.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's kind of the point of what, as we talk about the history of it and where it came from, that's been its point. But I, I think that As we start, we maybe lay the ground rules for, as you and I talk about it and for anyone listening, that we allow shame to sort of be outside of the door. Because honestly, we, every one of us has a story about a mean girl who harmed us. Every one of us does. But we were also the mean girl at some point. So it just, it's not women's fault per se. It's how we've all been acculturated and it's living in. As we just said, a patriarchal society is going to happen. So as we sort of go through this, let's all like just agree. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The shame we feel about it, that we we put that aside.
1: Right. We can acknowledge this without feeling the shame because, and, and I think bringing awareness to this is really what's so key. So key. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what I learned about this idea of the sister wound is that, Before patriarchy, before colonization, before media, and so, you know, we're going back thousands and thousands and thousands of years, women really depended on women. There was an interconnectivity that maybe we don't know today. It was like the village. The village. Exactly. That it takes a village. It truly did. So we raised each other's children. We cooked meals together. Um, Did you ever read that book years ago, The Red Tent? It came out a long time ago, no, but it was not. about women and how they would go into the red tent and bleed together every oh, month. Yes, yes. Did yes, you read? Yes. I mean, it came out a long time ago. Long
1: time. Yes,
0: yeah. yeah. So we we were like, in sync. We were in sync with each other, and we fully supported one another. Then this patriarchy happened, and I don't. There's so many ways to define patriarchy, but I think the most simplistic way is the dominance of the masculine. And so a woman really had two choices. She could either submit to the ways of the masculine, which often meant she had to betray the sisterhood, or she had to step on the sister or vie for the attention of the man because they were the one in power, or she became the outcast, the martyr. Mm-hmm. But in those days, that was as close to death, right? Like if you're going to be abandoned and like stand up, well, then you're pretty much a goner. Right. Right. There, there were really two choices, right? So this divide happened. And you said this earlier, which I think is true, that the divide weakens us. And that's, in some ways, the patriarchy, the purpose of it, that if women are in fighting, if they're fighting against each other, if they're jealous, if they're catfighting, like, what about the freaking bachelor? You see that in action every time you watch The Bachelor. There's 20 women fighting for one man. I mean, this yes. is exactly what we're talking about.
1: Yeah. And we, we now sensationalize it. Yes. Uh, in, in, as entertainment. Yeah. And, and yes, yes. And I will admit,
0: I've had guilty pleasures of watching that stupid bachelor from time to time, but it's exactly what we're talking about. It's women talking behind each other's back and being mean and, oh, we have to stop this. We have to bring light to it. So what I'm super curious is if you can think of a story in your own life of being wounded or being the woundy the wounder um, is as you as this idea of the sister wound of us like you know being in judgment, being in gossip, being in competition, not being able to really honor and laud a woman's success because we fear it'll mean then we can't have that as well. I mean, where where have you seen this show up in your own life?
1: I feel like it sh- it, the first time I remember it showing up was in junior high, uh, maybe a little bit in upper elementary school. Um, we had, I think, a new person moved to the school, a new girl. And I could feel our friend group organizing around that and who was going to be in, who was out. It kind of created this new click, And... And there were days when I felt in and there were days when I felt out. And so I navigated kind of an interesting friend world. My two best friends were two years older. And I, was, I did everything with them growing up. But when they graduated, I was kind of left then trying to navigate with these friends my age. Um, girls that I'd you know, grown up with too but didn't have maybe as close a relationship with. Yeah, I I feel like... I don't know that I always had the support or um, I knew how to navigate some of that. And and there was a lot of, you know, boys factored into a lot of this, right? Right. It was, you know, and in a small school where I went, there weren't that many boys. So Mm -hmm. it became even probably more catty because, um, you know, several people my life. that's right, there were. Um, And so, you know, you date a boy and then the next week your friend was dating the boy or you have the crush
0: on the boy that your friend is dating and that the heartbreak of that and yes yeah
1: so I yeah I definitely felt that growing up and certainly with my daughter saw a lot of that happen Um, I'm not ready for that with my daughter. I know
0: know it's coming, but I'm like, I'm not ready
1: to watch my daughter suffer
0: (sighs) through this. And again, that's why I think why we're talking about this today, because I think only we women can break out of this cycle. And we have to know it and see it and acknowledge it and then take action not to fall in the old patterning of being jealous
1: and pulling a woman down. Right. And I think a lot of times as moms, if we're aware of it, we can help coach our daughters through it because sometimes moms are part of the issue, right? They're almost in, you know, seeing an injustice and kind of encouraging behavior too. So, um, there's a responsibility I think for this, the generation we're raising to have those honest conversations and say, you know, is there another way you can go about this or how can you, you know, have these conversations with your friends Um, that it's not okay and that you're not going to engage in that totally and be a leader and and put a name to it kind of like this isn't you know this feels hurtful totally i don't want to be part of it and and give your daughters kind of the confidence to say that um and 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 if they can look for other friends that have that similar outlook because it's 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 such a challenging time um hormones are raging there's I've read there's so many factors that are happening, right? Everything suddenly becomes competitive. And now you add social media in to a world of comparison and we've created a whole nother level of women comparing themselves to each other and judging each other and feeling like they're less than. And so if our answer to that is to try to bring people down, um, then none of us win. Right. I know I worry about my
0: boys playing video games and I had a mom say to me, ah, no, 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 no. Don't worry about your teenage boys playing video games. Worry about your daughter. Who's going to be making all these videos and on TikTok and being, whether she gets likes or not, that's who you have to worry about. So, okay, big breath. I'm not ready for that yet, but I know it's coming. So I was thinking about my sister wound and my wound literally came from my sister. And, uh, I adore my sister and we've actually worked through so much of this. So this isn't like I'm outing my sister in this moment right now. But when I was born, my sister was six. And so she had, you know, she'd been the only child and she had been doted on and adored and given all the time and the attention and played with. And then little sister comes along and suddenly that time is split or that time is focused on me. And so she and I have had a long-term joke that she literally hated me for the first 20, 21, 22 years of my life. And there was a lot of jealousy. There was a lot of, and I, I remember, I'm sure I was not the easiest sister. In fact, I recently apologized to her. I had gone through a, a trauma as a kid, and so, and I was already this very sensitive little soul. And so, the way I coped was just achieving and doing everything right, and pleasing mom and dad, and being like perfect and being good.
1: Yeah, good and girl. what
0: an annoying little sister, yeah. right? Who did everything right because my sister was more of the. Wild. I'm going to be outside of the box. And so I recently apologized and said, I must have been a really annoying sister. And she said, yeah, you were kind of a lot.
1: <laughs> oh, but, I was, yeah, yeah, I was the older sister. And I think my sisters probably would say I'm the sister wound now that I think about it mm. Um as the older sister that kind did of, everything right. Yeah. And had a role to play yeah, in the dynamic that, you know. I'm sure they felt like they had to live up to in some ways. And of course I look back and think, I think they had more fun than I did. Um, They for sure had more fun. Yeah, I know.
0: (laughs) So, but then how it came out a little bit more, the sister wound is that I learned, and this is where I'd like to take this conversation with you. I learned that I, if I achieved, if I did really good, which is what I was doing to try to feel safe and secure. It also pissed people off. So not only did it piss my sister off, but it sometimes would, you know, my friends would on some level subtly push me away if I achieved. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's the idea if you're achieving the crabs in the bucket, want to pull you down. And so I got all these mixed messages about do well be good at what you do, but don't do too well because then people will be jealous of you and they won't like you and they'll reject you. So I was always confused about this line of like, how good should I do? Because I want to do good and it, right? I want to achieve. Yeah. But if I achieve too much, then I'm going to lose love and I'm going to lose friendship and I people won't like me.
1: I remember hiding any achievements. Like I, I would just, like if I did well on an exam or a test or got an award of some kind. I I didn't I would just not want to talk about it because I felt that there would be pushback yes. or so I think I I didn't even celebrate some of my own success because I was worried about that. Yes. As well. And so I think this is what we have to talk about
0: and now let's take it into corporate. Let's take it into adult lives. Let's take it into even social media and Facebook, right? This line between honoring your gifts and stepping into your full potential as a human, but worrying that people are going to look down upon you for that. Is that like, going to be threatening?
1: Yes. How do we navigate this? I, I think the only way is, like you said, putting light on it and and lifting Being conscious about lifting other women up. Yes. I think that's the answer. It's, and that's not something that you do think once a year I'm going to, it's a daily practice. It's, you know, being in a meeting and, and hearing a great idea from a woman. And then as happens sometimes, quite often, frankly, uh, five minutes later, a man's presenting the idea with just a little bit of a twist and everyone said, Oh And, and being the woman that said, wait, I think that's, that's what Sarah said about 10 minutes ago. Yes. Sarah, would you, is this what you were thinking? Right? Yeah. Having each other's backs, um, is so important and it doesn't mean there's not this finite amount of success that if. Bingo. I think that's
0: it, too, that we live. And again, the way we've all been raised in this patriarchal culture is that there's not enough or that there's only so much power because most of it is going to the man. So whatever power there is, we have to really fight as women against one another for that little slice that might be there for us. And so I think this is there's There's some truth, but there's also some myth. Um, I'm a big believer that there is always enough. There's always enough um, joy and money and opportunity and friends that like we live in a benevolent, abundant, abundant world. But our little brains that are wired towards negativity, the negativity bias, which is scientifically supported, which is there's not enough there. I'll never be good enough. And so we get stuck in these old patterns And I think as women, we have to remind ourselves just because Sarah got the award or she got the promotion doesn't mean there's not enough for me. Right.
1: I also love the idea of, you know, when you think about lifting women up, nominate women for awards. Think about, you know, if you see something come across and say, boy, so-and-so would be perfect for that. You know, helping lift each other up also means looking for opportunities, not just for yourself, but others around you, um, and sharing those or nominating them or, or, you know, being there in a way that you are recognizing the great work women are doing instead of being maybe someone in the, in the background, kind of bringing someone down because of the success. And that's a conscious decision.
0: It is conscious. So I think what we need to do is we need to actually shine the light in the shadowy corners. And again, here's where we have to leave shame outside of the door, but we have to talk about what do we all do as women that get us still stuck in this sister wound? So these are hard things, but I think, again, we can't move through them unless we talk about them. So first thing is judgment, right? And this is judgment against anything, the way someone dresses, the way someone posts, the fact that they chose to stay home with their kids, the fact that they chose to go back to work Mm -hmm. after they had kids um like the the judgment piece which again we're so wired to do we have to be so conscious about
1: avoiding it absolutely and and the, it does start so young the the comparison game and i think we do it at such a young level that it becomes part of our part of our lens right we walk through the world and think you know there's always going to be someone that's got more money or more attractive. And if we're always focusing on what we're lacking compared to someone else's versus, you know, what we have already and not wanting like in a, I mean, it's fine to want success, but I think sometimes we, yeah, the judgment really comes from something internal, some sort of kind of shame about ourselves. Yeah. Right. And so being okay with who we are also helps us not project that on to others, right? That judgment. Totally. totally. So it's internal work. And I always tell my clients like judgment,
0: which is again, a normal thing we all engage in. It's like playing Russian roulette. Sometimes when you judge someone or compare yourself to someone, you win, right? You are doing better, (laughs) right? But there will always be that one bullet that will take you down because you compare Yourself to someone else and you know you're the loser in this so we just have to be like so conscious about not playing that comparison game and that's a
1: lot about being softer with yourself yeah right yeah that you you know I think so much of it is we don't we we're raised wondering if we're enough yeah and we keep a lot of that inside and so if we're constantly kind of that's where we're coming from then we're going to find the person that seems to be have it all, have more. Yeah. that, that we want to aspire to and yeah, so I think it's it's a complex issue. I, f- I feel like the first part of our lives it's all built up for us and then the second half of our lives we try to unwind it. Amen.
0: I love I've said this so many times. I've already probably repeated this but Carl Jung, the my one of my great teachers that I've studied so much and will forever study in this lifetime. Um, said that real life begins after the age of 40. Yeah. And I think that's so true. Like we have to build up all this ego to get through life. And then after 40, we're like, oh, this doesn't work anymore. I have to break it all down. Yeah. Okay. So judgment is one thing we have to be really conscious of shying away from. The second thing, and I, for sure experienced this and I'm sure I've been the perpetrator of it as well but intentionally excluding and removing a woman from feeling welcome. And this mm-hmm. is what you just shared at the start of our talk today about the playground and um am I invited or um, how do they feel about me how today? How do they feel, right? Yeah, like am I on their good side today or um are they going to invite me or are they pushing me away and I for sure have had this experience. I've actually have had it really recently and um, it, it was really painful and I made a choice to walk away and that was also really painful. I made a choice to sort of make a stand and walk away, but um, you know, how we make a more inclusive life. And that doesn't mean that there, you know, we can't make choices about who we spend time with and who we choose to be around, but there sure. is this sort of group mentality of, these little clicks that start to
1: happen right. that I think can and be so detrimental. It's crazy to me that, that that still happens so much later in life. I know. It, it almost feels like, you know, during the period maybe where if you're raising children, you're so consumed by that. And in your circle are the people at daycare and then at elementary school and then and then you kind of come out of that period and you look around and you're like, okay, who who are my people? Who are my close friends? Because some friends are just you know chapters in your book because of you're in the same life you know period of life together, um, and so reconnecting or figuring out is you know I find myself kind of in that place right now and part of the is the pandemic has kind of accentuated that you're like I haven't seen that person in so long, um, but yeah as groups. I find myself a part of a lot of groups and then coming out of the pandemic, I'm like, Am I am I still part of that group? I don't we haven't gotten together. I don't I guess I don't know. Are they getting together without me and yes. I'm just not part of it anymore? Um so And then and then and then if you
0: were a part of a group and suddenly you're not in it or they're not including you on the text string or they're not inviting you, what is the fear underneath that? I'll tell you what my fear is, but I'm curious, what's your fear? Like well, I did something wrong, or I, I did something wrong and for me. Oh, what are they saying about right, me? Right. What are they what are they saying about me? Yeah. What stories are they telling about me? So that's also like I think on this list of things we have to be so conscious of is gossip. Yes. And every single one of us does it. Yeah, and which is
1: really just another way to try to make yourself feel better about yourself, mm-hmm. right? Well, and there's something titillating
0: about it, right? Like, have you heard about so and so or did I you have- hear this happened or can you believe what's happening to this person? It's like there's some excitement with it. Mm-hmm. And so we get pulled into that so easily. Right. How many ha- how many
1: times have you had a friend say don't tell anybody else. Oh, my God. Yes. But we have <laughs> got like, some intel. I feel like I might be the third person you've told that to.
0: Exactly. Um, well, and even like I will admit I buy People magazine. I Do you know what I mean? Like I I will, uh, the idea of the gossip of what's happening with these people in Hollywood that I don't even know who they are. But again, There's, it feels
1: that fills something it in us. Does. What, what is it filling? I, I think it. I think we all develop kind of these holes or you know things that where we feel we're lacking and when we can see someone else faltering it somehow makes us feel yes. better about the fact that maybe we don't have it all together either it's like we identify in some weird way and then you know it helps us yeah feel better and and even though we shouldn't feel better from others you know traumas and tragedies. Um, there, there's something there. I think that, mm-hmm. that it like attracts the darkness in us. I, I, I wish I could
0: remember this exact quote, but it's. I have the general idea of it. It's something about, um, and and it's really it's it's altered how I think about my relationships with people. That you're either a person who likes to talk about other people. Or you're a person who likes to talk about ideas. Mm. So we can all think about the relationships we've been in where you just talk and gossip about other people, even if they're people that you don't know in Hollywood. Or do to you get together with people and talk about ideas. You talk about the world. You talk about visions. You talk about, you know, things. what you're curious about. And There was a phase in my life. I mean, I'm thinking to college. That's what we did. We talked about other people and how that breeds this jealousy, this lack of trust, this fear of letting other people in. Because if they're talking about Sarah, then they must be talking about Betsy when I'm not here. Right. Yes. So I've been so conscious about the relationships I'm in. I try not to talk about other people that aren't there. I'd rather talk about ideas. I'd rather talk about life. I'd rather talk about moving forward or expansion or, you know. Right.
1: And again, I think as women, the power we have to kind of change the trajectory of things is when, you know, it's one person at a time, but when another woman says, did you hear, do you know, to simply say, I did. And my heart kind of breaks for them. Moving on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Right. You, you, you have a choice to decide whether to engage in it and like, and you know how you can kind of feel someone wondering if you're going to pick up on it and be gone with it. Yes. So I recently had that experience where I was able to just be like, not going there. Yeah. And it kind of shut it down and we moved on. But And it's kind of hard sometimes because there is, it's almost
0: like a, a little high that comes off of, but it's so momentary. That it's not worth it. The little high of like, did you hear about this? Oh my gosh, I thought that was going to happen. There's like a high that comes. Yeah. But then for me, it always feels like, oh, icky. icky. I need to take a shower after that conversation or something.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then there's guilt. You're like, I, that wasn't kind. Mm-mm. Yeah. Okay.
0: So we want to be conscious about avoiding judgment, avoiding like exclusions of other people, the jealousy, the envy. Um, let's talk about what do we, how do we heal this? And I think we've already, so there's three things I want to bring up here. And I think we've already brought to light. The first one is we just have to talk about it. We have to acknowledge it's real. We have to acknowledge we've all done it. Mm -hmm. We have to acknowledge we'll all keep doing it because this is how we've been raised. I mean, I've been it's raised. and co- It's a hard habit to break. Right. So the power comes from saying, yep, I do that. And I don't want to do it anymore. I want to be conscious not to wound
1: yeah. my sisters. And I'm feeling that even more right now, as divisive as the world is. And like we talked in the beginning about how it takes our power away I, f- I am sensing as like we've talked about kind of this feminine rising and as, you know, there's more women and in, in not enough of them, but more women rising to power. We we can't divide ourselves um, if we're going to increase leadership by women. Right. We can't. We've got to help that along. We can't do things that are hindering it. And and that means supporting one another. And I think it's critical for our world that we have more women leaders, yeah, that lead differently. Yeah, um, now is the time, and so we need to behave in the way that we want, you know, to see the rest of the world, and that's empathy and yeah. kindness, and uh, you know, to to handle the problems, the big problems we have. So, it feels like the right time to have this conversation and to acknowledge the importance of individually acting differently yeah. to change the collective.
0: Amen. I kind of said that better. It's so beautiful. Amen. All right, so we have to keep talking about it. The second thing I think is really necessary is that when we see it, we have to confront it. So when we see the the gossip, the judgment, the exclusion, the the jealousy toward other women, We have to confront it and we don't have to confront like I want to be careful because the confrontation like confronting the woman about it and blaming her or shaming her for engaging it. That's like that's not what I'm talking about. But when we see the sister wound showing up or we see behaviors showing up, we have to confront the behavior. So I think you gave a great example of it someone baited you with some juicy piece of gossip and you didn't go for it. You didn't, you didn't follow it. Right. So I feel like that's one way mm-hmm. and it might even be taking the next step and saying, you know, I'm on a, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm detoxifying myself from gossip or talking about other people, or I'm really trying to avoid, um, you know, I, I'm on a mission to to support the sisterhood or there is another yes. way we 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 can confront behave. it and we can behave in a different way.
1: It's it's a little like um, dealing with our, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion. Right. And it's not about calling people out. It's about calling people in. You heard that yesterday. Mm-hmm. Right. We're we're trying to call people in to look inward and and behave differently as individuals. And so calling people out just creates, perpetuates it more. So, yeah. Yeah. And then the third thing I think
0: that we can do, and I'm actually really have been wanting, I've done this in the past, but want to start this again. So I'm, I'm outing myself right now that I'm committing to this, that I think we have to create more women's circles we talked about this in the yeah. Tent Her program. And after that program, I said, I want to get a circle started. And I didn't do it. So again, I'm feeling the encouragement right now as I'm talking about it. But when we are in circle, and I actually think when we create a woman's circle, and of course, there's lots of. Friend circles out there, but I feel like a women's circle is actually something slightly distinctly mm-hmm. different, in that you have to create ground rules. And as I reflect on some circles I've been on in in the past, we didn't create ground rules around safety, around everything that shared here is confidential, it doesn't leave the circle, around no exclusion, around right. Like I yeah. feel like the boundaries. true women's circles, there's there's yeah, there's boundaries. And then that's what creates the safe space and the safe place for vulnerability to come out for people to share without fear of being judged or rejected, uh, reflecting back to one another, what they're hearing and seeing. And then I think that's where we start to heal as women and we
1: start to trust. Yeah, you're right. A lot of relationships it comes down to trust and how much do we trust each other is, and that makes me sad, but I do feel like there's, I think there's things we trust that I'm not sure why we do. (laughs) I mean, um, but one another, yeah, it it feels like that's lacking a little bit and, but it takes time and commitment for trust to develop. And so um, I've been part of a couple of these and uh, I do think it's nice well, I would say our her experience retreat had some of that element in the day we spent together. There was kind of a safety. We had ground rules. Yep. right. That experience, like it, some people trusted early on in that process, if you remember, and some people later in the day. Um, it, everybody kind of comes at their own. But it's what we need are the containers to have yeah. these conversations, and I think right now when. As we've talked about, women have been more impacted by the pandemic. I can't, I'm working with several women that are looking at leaving their their jobs. I actually had a woman today tell me, I don't know if it's the job or if I'm just so burnt out on life that I'm, mm. I'm going to make a mistake mm. if I leave. Right. And so navigating, like talking through that with other women can kind of help normalize your feelings and and also not feel so alone in in things that you're thinking about um, and there's wisdom. I mean, I think that's the going back to the village. They, there was collective wisdom. Yes. That they leveraged and they. Oh, that's such a good word. In. They leveraged. Yeah, yes. We need to do that again. We do. We don't individually have all the answers, but collectively we, Oh can my have, God, we are something yes. else. Yes. And we know that, but there's almost this fear of actually stepping into it. Mm mm-hmm. Because there's power in it. Yes. Yes. And stepping into
0: our power can be scary. And women are the creation power. Like we hold the power to create yes, at the deepest level. And I agree. There's a lot of fear from both sides. Mm-hmm. I think we women are scared of our power as men are. And so we have unconsciously concocted lots of ways To to not not only keep ourselves small, but to keep other women small so that we don't have to step into the arena. Right. But that's why we're talking about this (laughs) so we can change it. Okay. so in conclusion, what I'm going to say is that I am going to report back in a future episode about the women's circle um, that I create. because I've been wanting to do this. And, yeah, let's create more spaces for women to feel safe and secure and vulnerable and open so that we can step into our power and our voice and our authenticity and our
1: wild. Yes. And support one another in doing so. Yay. Thanks, sister, for the talk. Thank you. And now the amazing singer-songwriter Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please
0: subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.